you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Who's excited to be at church today? Sunday is by far my favorite day of the week, and it is because I get to be here with all of you. You guys are my church family, and ironically enough, we're talking about family goals today. This is week five of our hashtag goal series. If you don't know what a hashtag is, you're not alone. Just Google it because it might be life-changing. Not kidding. (laughs) My wife and I, Katie, we're the children's pastors here at the Movement Church, and we absolutely love your kids. And so I'm just honored and blessed. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Carrie and Megan for having me and asking me to speak today. Hopefully, hopefully after today, they'll ask me back again. We'll see. But I'm excited. Before we dive in, can we pray? Can we invite God to church? Let's do that. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just invite you here today. God, we're excited to come to a church in a country where we can worship you and praise you. God, I pray that you would speak to us and bring us a message, something that will just, uh, just fill our hearts today, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Well, hey, again, my name's Joe. We're the uh, children's pastor. And today we're talking about family. So I figured, why not introduce you to my family? In case you don't have a, a first through sixth grader, that's where I teach in the back there. So I know everyone that has children that are in first through sixth grade. So if I haven't met you, I apologize. I'm back there where it's more fun. Having a blast. So let me introduce you to my family real quick. I think we have a picture here. Aw. Everyone say aw. This is my family. And my beautiful wife, Katie, my son, Gavin, and my son, Lincoln. Katie and I have been married for 12 blissful years. It's been perfection Every second of every day, it's amazing. She is amazing. She cooks dinner every night. It's hot. Oh, so good. I don't know who taught her to cook, but it's amazing. There's always, when I say always, I mean always, clean underwear and socks in my drawer. I mean, she kills it as a wife. You couldn't ask for more. My son, Gavin, he's the oldest. He's our firstborn. He's our pride and joy. That kid is a stud. He's either going to cure cancer or be a professional athlete, or maybe do both. And then there's Lincoln. He is the sweetest, most kindest, soft-spirited, snuggliest little man you've ever met. And he loves the Lord with all his heart. Well, that's certainly one perspective of my family. If you follow me on social media, on Instagram, that might be believable because you see all the accolades and all the cool stuff. But how many of you guys know our families only really look like that on social media? You know, the truth is, 12 years has been great, but it certainly hasn't been blissful. Our first three years of marriage, Katie and I struggled mightily. It was rough. Let me just be honest and fully transparent. Can I do that? It was hell the first three years. It was tough. We, uh, We got married young, right out of college. We had Gavin six months after the ceremony, so you do the math. Uh, and there was postpartum depression, and we didn't know it, 
And for me, who's a feeler, I'm a feeler. So if you're happy, I'm happy. If you're sad, I'm like, I don't want to be around you. Um, Because I don't want to be sad. Coming home to a wife who was struggling, I felt like I was failing as a husband. And there was a few calls, two that I remember specifically that I made to my parents. And I said, I'm not throwing in the towel, but I don't know if I can do this. Can I be honest with you guys? That was tough. That was real tough. You know, and that's, and we've come a long ways, and it's awesome. You know, and then there's Gavin, who legitimately is a brilliant young man and very talented at baseball. But that dude is the most stubborn child I've ever met in my life. And I mean that with love. But maybe you guys can relate. I will be disciplining him full-on just pressing in like, you knucklehead, you messed up, what are you thinking? You're never going to see the light of day again. And legitimately, as I'm saying that, he's like, well, technically, I'll be able to see the light coming in through the window. Like, I am grounding him for life, and he's poking a ferocious bear with a stick. I'm like, do you know what you're doing? You just added a week. Keep going, sucker. You're going to (laughs) die. Oh, and then there is Lincoln. Lincoln can only be surmised by pictures, my friends. Let's take a little walk, shall we? God bless him. What I love about this picture is, no doubt, he probably just peed into that water table and then dipped the cup in. Pray for him. Let's check out the next picture. (laughs) <laughs> does any does anybody else and maybe hey if, if i'm if i'm guilty just let me know anybody else laugh at your child before you actually help them when they do something stupid this child had his head stuck between the banister <laughs> and i took this picture before i went and saved him hey oh well all right next picture yep q-tips were made for your nose in case you didn't know let's see the next one yeah, children's pickup line. Who else loves picking up their kids at school? Lincoln thinks it's a time to sunbathe on the dash of the car. It's awesome. Next one, do we have another one? Oh, yes. A hot tub time machine. <laughs> Who doesn't take baths in the sink? We actually heard water dripping through the ceiling. Yeah, and I went running upstairs, and that's what I found. He was actually a little disturbed that I was bothering him. I think we have one more, right? Uh, yeah, he rides underneath shopping carts. No big deal. It's normal, right? No. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't sit like a gargoyle when they watch TV with a pair of fake goggles on? God bless him. I love Lincoln, but he is also a very stubborn child. And you know what? This is, this is just another perspective of our family, right? You get the social media perspective, and then you get the dirty laundry perspective. And you know what? Neither of them are perfect. Neither of them are the whole picture. And they're, they're both perspectives, but they really don't tell everything. And so today I want to talk about three godly perspectives of your family. Can we do that today? All right. God's perspective, I believe, is the perfect perspective. Because God created you. So God obviously knows the ins and outs of you intricately. And so there's no such thing as a perfect family. God knows that. So 
he certainly doesn't expect that of us. He doesn't expect us to have a perfect family, but what he wants is for us to have fulfillment. That's what we need to strive after, fulfillment. Even if our family doesn't look like the Instagram, and even if in the midst of chaos, God still wants us to have that fulfillment. So let's look at the first godly perspective. It's the positive perspective. I believe God sees us in a positive light. God sees your unique family in a positive light. Do you? Sometimes that's a little harder than others, isn't it? Sometimes in the midst of chaos, when your child's getting crazy, or when your spouse doesn't see things your way, it's kind of hard to see it in a positive light. But what we focus on is what ultimately determine what our perspective is. Think about that. What we focus on will determine our perspective. So if we focus on something good, we're going to have a good perspective, such as the Instagram. People are focused on what they see. They only see the good. So your, your best friend from college that's talking about the promotion that they got and the supermodel that they married or the underwear model that they married, your perspective of their life is perfect, isn't it? And then you compare it to yours, and you're like, ah. I have a friend like that, and I actually wonder, wonder what his dirty laundry looks like, because if I got it, I know he's got it, right? And so sometimes we focus on others in this perfect light and then ourselves in this harsh reality. And so there's actually some things that we focus on that don't serve us. I want to share them with you. The first one is our negative past experiences. Maybe that's your childhood growing up. Maybe that's your parents. Maybe that was the first three years of your marriage like me. Or maybe that was yesterday. But ultimately what happens is when we focus on our past experiences, it casts a shadow over our family. That's not fair to our kids and our wife. They can't escape from that that you're projecting on them. That's harsh. And ultimately when you do that, you can't receive that fulfillment that God wants for you. The second thing is that we focus on what it isn't. Obviously, it's the opposite of what it is, in case you were wondering. (laughs) But what it isn't, I think women might deal with this a little bit more than the men do. Because supposedly, this is what I've heard, women dream about what their family will look like one day. They imagine it. And then men, well, we dream of playing in the Super Bowl. But ultimately, we're both bitter because it's not what we dreamt it would be, right? (laughs) But hey, you know what? When you're focused on what it isn't, it's really hard to appreciate what it is. Just think about that for a minute. What it is. What it is is what God designed. What it is is how God intended it to be. And if we can't appreciate God's workmanship, are we telling God that he didn't do a good enough job? Wow, that's a tough customer. What else? Uh, some of the other things that we focus on that don't serve us are what's wrong. Oh, well, I'll tell you what's wrong. My wife doesn't do this. My husband doesn't do that. My kids, they can't get their act together. How can you appreciate these beautiful blessings that God's given you if you're constantly focused on what's wrong? Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's a house you live in. Maybe the guy that, you know, works from home just bought a a 4,000-square-foot house, and you're like, man, I'm slaving over here. How do I get ahead? 
If we're focused on what's wrong, you'll never see what's right. The other thing that we focus on is what's missing. What's missing? You know, maybe, maybe I only got one dog. I need two dogs. Maybe I need an extra car. Maybe I need better kids. Um, but what's wrong is that we're focused on what's wrong. And maybe what's missing, maybe for some of you, maybe it's the spouse that's missing. And it's hard to see God's blessings in your life when you're going, God, when are you going to send Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright? That's tough. So we need to change what we focus on because if we see our family in a negative light, we have to switch our perspective. And the only way you can do that is change what you're focusing on. I want to play a little game with you just to kind of drive this home. Are you guys game? All right, what we need to do is have all of you close your eyes real quick. I promise it'll be okay. Close your eyes, and I want you to think of the color blue. Think of the color blue. Blue skies, blue oceans, baby blues, blue suede shoes, everything blue. On the count of three, I want you to open your eyes and find everything that you can that's blue. One, two, three. Go. Find blue. Anything blue. What do you see that's blue? Blue hair, blue eyes, blue shoes. All right, close your eyes again. What did you see that was red? Think about it. All right, you can open your eyes. The point I'm making here is when you're so focused on finding a color or something negative in your life, if you're constantly focusing on what's wrong, what's missing, it's going to be really hard to find what's right. Find what God sees in your family and in your life. What you focus on determines not only your perspective, but how you feel. And how you feel is going to be how you interact with your family as well. Let's look at a piece of scripture. Let's turn to Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2. In Colossians it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Man, can we focus on verse 2 there real quick? It says, set your minds on things that are above. This is an instruction from God. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's not a suggestion. It's an instruction. God's like, hey, if you want a good life, if you want fulfillment, set your mind on things above. I just set the water bottle there. That was a choice. I had to make a choice to set that there. We have to make a choice to set our mind on things above. Things that are from God, of God. God's perspective of us. We have to set our mind there. That's a choice. Second, it was an action, wasn't it? I actually had to physically move and participate. God didn't just morph it there because I said, okay, God, go. No, there was an action. That was a choice and then an action. And then, is that water bottle still there? Why? Because I set it there. God's saying to set your mind on things above and leave it there. He didn't say, and then, you know, pick it back up a little bit later. No, he's saying leave it there. Meditate on those things. God's perspective is going to ultimately give you the fulfillment that you so desire. When we say that we want a perfect family, that's not true. That's not what we want at all. What we want is fulfillment from our family. Those dreams that we had as a child was because it was going to fulfill us. The things that are wrong we're focused on because we feel like that's keeping us from our fulfillment. But what's keeping us from that fulfillment is us. We need to change our perspective and see our family in a positive light. 
Two things happen when we do that. Two things happen when we do that. We actually begin to have an attitude of gratitude. Weird, right? You know, you focus on something crappy, you're going to feel crappy. Can I say that? You focus on something good, you're going to feel good. When you think about, man, God, thank you for blessing me with a smoking hot wife. And thank you for giving me two boys that are just vibrant and talented and amazing. Wow, God loves me. I do have a good family, even when they're crazy. The second thing that happens is you actually begin to show up as the husband, the father, the wife, the mother, or the children that God designed you to be. We're no longer criticizing God's workmanship, but we're actually beginning to do our part and show up as the person that God designed us to be. You mean God knew what he was doing when he made me? Holy cow! All right, let's do this. I'm on board. Hey, set your mind on things above. Begin to shift your mindset to see things and see people how God sees them. Not just the weird people in your life, you know? Like, oh, well, it's different, but that's okay. No, start seeing people how God sees them. Men, pray that prayer. God, help me to see my wife the way you see her. Not just when I'm frustrated, but all the time. All right, can we turn to Scripture one more time? Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Say good. For those who are called according to his what? Purpose. That's our second godly perspective. I believe God, when he looks at us, sees purpose. An immense, unimaginable purpose. So not only does it work together for good, but for those that are called according to his purpose. And we're all called according to his purpose. I want to share with you real quick about something we do in Kids Big. So I was telling you, my wife and I, we teach the first through sixth graders. We do something called the G3 mission. (laughs) And maybe you guys know it. If you know it, say it along with me. The first part is God made me with a purpose. Second, God chose me through Christ. And the third... God loves me so I can love others. We do this every single Sunday. I tell the kids, hey, God made me with a purpose. What does that mean? They will tell you. Ask them. They know. Hands down. They're like, I'm not an accident. You're like, okay. What does that mean? God actually knew what he was doing when he put me with my family. He handpicked my parents. He made me the big brother or the big sister. He made me the little sister or the little brother. He did it on purpose. Can we focus on that for a minute? Holy cow. So you're saying that God actually handpicked me. Yeah, when he could have picked anyone else. Actually, you think about that for a minute. He chose me. Wow. That's like getting picked first in kickball. You're like, yes, I can do this. I won't let you down. (laughs) God actually knew what he was doing when he picked you. And if God picked you and made you on purpose... Isn't it possible that he actually knew what he was doing when he made your family too? He didn't just stop at you. He handpicked your family for a purpose. All of you together as a unit, as one, called to a single purpose. Families need to have purpose. Otherwise, we're just wandering aimlessly, just doing this thing called life day by day. 
Who wants to do that? That's temporary. That's not going to last. We need something that will last, and the only thing that is eternal is God's word. We need to determine our purpose, our family's purpose, based on God's word. If we don't become intentional like our God, like our creator, life's going to happen to us. And what's going to determine our purpose if we don't use God's word to determine it? The world? Culture? Culture says that your life should look like Instagram. And if it doesn't, you are failing. Congratulations. Compare yourself to Instagram and social media. It's a quick way to cry and eat a whole quart of a haagen Not a pretty sight. Culture says that you should have millions of vacations and more money than your neighbor. Culture says, go to the beach. You deserve it. You worked hard. Hey, listen, please, before I go any further, please know there's nothing wrong with going to the beach. There's nothing wrong with taking family vacations. There's nothing wrong with posting awesomeness on Instagram, even if it's a selfie. I've never done that for the record. But when those things, when culture, when convenience takes the place of the Word of God as a priority in your life and in your family? Mission control, we have a problem. What's going to dictate your family's purpose? Do your children know that the Word of God is the priority in your household? Or is convenience and culture a priority? Or in the Word of God becomes convenience? Man, that's a tough place to be. It's scary. Because guess what? When your kids grow up, What happens when they can't provide the same luxuries that you could? What happens when your kids can't provide the same vacations that you went on? Can't provide the same house that they grew up in? What happens when they can't buy the same cars or maybe not even have a car? Maybe take a bus. Nothing wrong with that. They don't know that because they don't have the word of God as their purpose. That's what happens when we let culture dictate. We become like a boat out at sea without a lighthouse. Just being pushed around by the water, the wind, and the tide. Floating aimlessly. Might be fun for a little while. I'm sure Gilligan loved it for the first couple hours. (laughs) Then they got stranded on an island. The lighthouse is the word of God. It guides us into our harbor. Now, hey, we're not, we might not be able to sail in a straight path because the world's still going on us around us, but we're able to make um, changes, made, you know, uh, corrections in our direction based on the lighthouse, which is, should be, the Word of God. Also, hey, can I talk to you parents for a minute too? You're not in trouble. Sorry. I love spending time with your kiddos. I get an hour and a half every single week to talk about the purpose that God has for them, the love that they has for them, the future that he has for them. But I only get an hour and a half every week. You guys get the rest of their life to pour into them. It's up to you guys to direct that, to show them that, hey, it's not just that church that we lean on the word of God. It's Monday through Sunday. It's up to you guys to do that. Sometimes that's hard. I get that. But hey, We don't expect perfect. At the Movement Church, in fact, we actually say it's okay to not be okay. But we need to keep working on getting better. Same with our family. Amen? 
All right. Purpose is a driving force. We were talking about how it dictates our actions. It also creates a lane to run in. It gives boundaries. Man, isn't it easier to go bowling when there's bumpers up? The ball's sure to get to its destination. Well, that's what the Word of God does for us. It gives us bumpers. It helps us know the direction and stay the course. It also creates unity. A football team that's not unified, what if one team, you know, one guy thinks they're going this way, the other guy thinks they're going that way? You're going to have a hard time winning. Purpose unifies families. And when kids know that they're a team with their parents, they feel like they can do more and go further. We can't expect from perfection from our family because God doesn't. But we can find fulfillment if we start to focus on purpose and let God's word dictate our purpose. Amen? All right, let's, let me, let's actually, let's go back to Romans 8.28 for a second. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? Good. And for those who are called according to his purpose. Hey, God's saying not only does he have a purpose for us, But he's saying, hey, I know things aren't going to be perfect, but hey, guess what? It's still going to be good. That's a promise. That's God saying, don't worry, I got this. Because God's promise is relieve our need for perfection. God says, no, it's not going to be perfect, but it's okay because I promise you, I got this. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to handle this. I've conquered the world in advance. So need not to worry. God's promises are our third godly perspective. What better to focus on than God's promises? In Scripture, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What does that mean? Sounds awesome. Can I get it now? Can I open it now? Can I get an early Christmas present? God's promising he's got this. He's got you. No matter how ugly it is today. No matter how it was yesterday. No matter your past or maybe the first three years of your marriage or maybe your childhood. No matter how ugly it got for you, God's saying, believe in me. Believe I have something better for you. Hold tight. Keep your focus forward. Focus and set your mind on things above got you. You hear this verse all the time. Some of you might not know who God is, might not know where you stand on the subject or who God is and who you want God to be in your life. And that's okay. But I promise you probably heard this before. And that's because when Christians get desperate to rely on the promises of God, we need to learn to rely on God's promises all the time, but also put them into practice. Before I get into that, I want to share one other story from the Bible. There's a guy named Habakkuk. Habakkuk. One of those is right. Just go with that. Let's call him that guy. He was complaining to God about how bad things were, including his name. (laughs) Why, Jesus? Couldn't have just called me Nick? (laughs) He's saying, God, look at the nation around us. This is bad. Your creation, beautiful creation, this nation is failing. It's in turmoil. I am desperate. God, what is happening? Please stop it now. Save it. I don't think Habakkuk was going like, God, what's wrong with you? He's saying, look, God, your workmanship is being taken for granted. It's being destroyed. You've got to do something. 
But God, oh man, God's response, he says in chapter 1, verse 5, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. Wonder. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. I don't know about you, but I look back at my past and sometimes I wonder how I got to where I am today. And I, my wife and I, we go, man, God loves us. Because this wasn't us. Yeah, we have an amazing family that supported us. But God, he was the only reason we are where we are today. And that's what God's saying to Habakkuk. Hey, I promise it's going to get better. Don't worry. Even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. Man, I've been there before. God, I don't know if you can do this. God's like, oh, really? Just watch. But that's real. That's real life. I was, when I graduated high school, I, I was, you know, as most high schoolers do, they're like, what am I going to do when I grow up? Everyone and their mom's asking me. I thought I might be called to ministry. I didn't even know what that would look like, but possibly I was great with kids. Maybe I'd be a youth pastor. And so I applied to college and I went. And somewhere in between graduation and the first day of college, I said to myself, that's kind of scary. I'm not really sure about that. Ah, maybe I'll do it later in life. I'll go into business and make some money. Uh, and so I went and I pursued that and I ran from God for nine years. Not necessarily from God. I went to church, but I ran from his purpose for my life. So I still knew God, so praise God. But I just told him, hey, your plan doesn't sound that great for me. I'm going to go my own way. Nine years later, look where I am. In a church, preaching to you. God called me back. He pursued me. He's like, I have a promise, and I have a purpose for you, and it's unimaginable. It's better than what you think you can do. And he chased me down no matter what. And you know what? It is even better than I thought because my entire family is part of that purpose. My wife and I are called. Our family is called to ministry. My son Gavin and uh, Pastor Jeremy's son Trey came up to us. It was probably about a year ago. He's like, uh, you think we could come help you set the church up on Sunday morning? And I was like, you mean at like 5 a.m.? Like, yeah. Are you nuts? Do you like to sleep? They're like, yeah, we want to come. And I kid you not, there has not been one day where I've actually said to Gavin, hey, you coming to church with me on Sunday morning? Uh, Saturday nights, he goes, hey, Dad, what time are we getting up? I don't say this to impress you, but to rather impress upon you. Families are called together. And God has promises for all of you together. Sometimes we don't feel like that promise is for us, but I promise you, if you're part of that family, that promise is for you. Listen, we can't put our hope in the world, but we can put our hope in the promises of God. One more step. It's not enough to just believe in those promises. Not enough to just put our hope in them. God wants us to activate our faith. He wants us to put our faith into action. We have to practice the promises of God in order to unlock them. How do we do that? How do you practice a promise? Pinky swear? No. You pray. You pray. 
And if, hey, listen, if you don't know how to pray, that's okay. Come find one of us after church. We'll tell you. Or email us at pastor at theocmovement.com. We would love to tell you. But praying about the promises with our family, not just by ourselves, not just in the corner, not secretly, your kids need to see it. Your kids need to be a part of it. Your kids need to be declaring and practicing the promises that God has for your family. Your kids need to know that the promises are good, that they are yes and amen. The other way that you practice them them is talking about them. A lot of time I find Christians think that the Scripture is weird or awkward, so they don't talk about it. Because a lot of times you grew up with the Yes, and thou sayest the Lord, Jesus, amen. Scripture's not weird. People make it weird. You need to let your kids be comfortable with it. Get comfortable with the fact that there's a God that loves you despite the fact that you're a knucklehead and that you're going to mess up. God, I know I have. And that's uncomfortable sometimes. It's called grace when you didn't deserve it they got to get comfortable with that by practicing the promises of God. God looks at you and your family, your unique family, and he sees positives. He sees potential. He sees immense purpose, purpose that he designed specifically, that's still designed for you no matter how long you've been running from it. It's still there for you. God chased me for nine years. And he has promises. Those promises don't have an expiration date. It's not like the milk sitting in your fridge. It's not. God's promises are everlasting. Hey, can I challenge you guys with something? Can we be a church that doesn't just happen on Sundays? Can we be a church that happens between Sundays? That puts what we learn on Sundays to work? Remember, set your minds. It takes our action, doesn't it? You have to choose to see your family in a positive light. You have to choose to pursue purpose. You have to choose to practice the promises of God. Can we do that, church? We just heard a, a, week, a series, a five-week series on, pro, on, on goals. Goals without actions are just dreams. Let's be a church that takes action. Can we do that? All right, let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for being a God of second chances. God, thank you for caring about us and seeing the good in us even when we don't. God, thank you for designing us for a purpose so that we actually count for something. God, thank you for for creating us in such an intricate way that we would lean on your promises. God, we love you and thank you for who you are. We just pray that this week you would help us to start to see our families in the light that you do so that we can have fulfillment. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Come on, let's give it up for what God's doing in this place. What an amazing message by Pastor Joe. To see our families in the way that God does. In the positive light, with purpose, and with a promise. I was taking notes all morning, and I just wish he was a little more authentic and funny because that would make it a lot easier to listen to. But uh, I, I, one of the things I love about uh, Pastor Joe and what, what our church is really about is authenticity. Uh, man, I would hate for you to show up at this church and feel like you have to put on the airs of perfection or to feel like you have to appear as though Instagram matches reality. 
man, our hope would be that all of us can show up exactly as we are because that's how Jesus loves us. Not that staying exactly as we are is okay, but the idea is that all of us are just a little bit jacked up. We just want to work on getting better. Can I get an amen from some great people in here today? I don't know where you're at in your journey of faith. I don't know where you're at in your journey with this God idea. But I can tell you where he's at with you. The Bible says that he loves you beyond what you could possibly imagine. That there is nothing on this earth that can separate you from his love. In fact, the Bible's very specific about this and says that he longs to have a relationship or to do life with you. And for many, that's a challenge because of the, the feeling of disconnection. Or if you're like me and you've got mistakes in your past, often we view God through the filter of our past. And we think, if you knew what I've walked through and how I live my life, then you would know there's no way God could love me like you say. And I want to just tell you the good news today is that he loves you beyond what you could imagine. And I believe the greatest days of your life are yet ahead of you, but there's a starting point. And I believe that that starting point is a relationship with Jesus. Now listen to me for a moment. What I'm not talking about is church membership, nor am I talking about eradicating your past or the things that you've walked through, but I'm talking about simply saying yes to Jesus and trusting on him to handle the imperfections. There's a starting point, though. Like any great race, there's a starting point. It's not through osmosis. It's not through church membership. But it's simply saying yes to Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never begun this journey, I want to challenge you, don't let today pass you. Don't let today go by without beginning that journey with him. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass anyone in this room, but right where you're seated, right where you're at, with everything that you've walked through in life, I want to challenge you, if you've never started that journey with Jesus, that in your own heart, would you just simply pray this prayer with me? For those of you that are here today that may be wrestling with your faith, or maybe you've been flirting with destiny like Joe talked about for nine years kind of messed around and didn't really follow and pursue the purposes of God. Today's the day to come running back to him. If you're here today and you've been running from God, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me and let's see God start something brand new. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. We're almost finished here today. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or if you're here and you've been running from God, today's the day to come running back. Would you, after... Just repeat this prayer after me in your own heart, just very quietly. Nobody has to hear you. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real and that you love me. God, I've got sin in my past. Would you forgive me? God, I want you to be real in my life. Just make this statement your own right where you're seated. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email 
at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.